hello and welcome to the Road to Lords, the 2022 United Village Cup podcast. In episode three, myself, that's Elizabeth Gottraby, and tournament director Ian Smith are once again joined by the cricketers Nick Howson to discuss the best of the action from the regional finals. So Nick, we've managed to tempt you back for a, a second episode. Yeah, I think the um, the offer of an increased fee was was part of the reason. Not, if I'm being completely honest, uh, there were there were rival podcasts that that offered, but I just got a better offer from from you guys. Um, yeah, delighted to be back. And Ian, how are you? But you know, tra- swapping Trent Bridge uh, for the Village Cup. <laughs> One to the other. Um, yeah, I'm just going to get on the phone to my agent. Actually, didn't know there was a fee for this. Yeah. Um, I, I got I got your I got your fee. Sorry, I didn't, didn't mention. Uh, okay. I think you're probably more worth it than I am, but there you go. <laughs> At the weekend, we had uh, round four, which was the regional finals. And after navigating the previous rounds with fairly minimal disruption, the weather really did us dirty in this round. You know, a dozen fixtures were delayed, uh, but we've made it. And from the 330-odd teams that started the competition, only 32 are left. The Headlines. Um, and in, in the group that are left are both Calmore and Albanley. Uh, they're set for a, a rematch at Lords if results go their way. Calmore beat Bramshaw by eight wickets to win the Hampshire group. Albanley beat Staley by 21 runs in Cheshire and Cluid. But it was a, a bittersweet win for Calmore's Ben Johns because his run of six consecutive uh, 50 plus knocks came to an end. He was out LBW for a disappointing 40. Uh, three other former champions are still in the competition with Cleeter from Cumbria, Goataker in Dorset and Wiltshire and Valley End in Surrey, all progressing. But we've lost Folkton and Flixton in Estour and Horton, Maine. And you really have to spare us a thought for Horton, Maine's Brent Law, who scored a century against Ackworth and ended up on the losing side. Carlton Towers' Tom Collins was the only other player to score a century. Uh, he posted 102 not out from 58 balls against Patrington. And Shoaib Khan posted the best figures of the round. He took six for 31 for Wolverston against Stocksfield in Northumberland. So there was a lot of action going on in all of the groups. Nick, what caught your eye in round four? Performance of the week. Yeah, uh, Wormlow against uh, West Melbourne. I mean, you talked about rain getting in the way. This was this was a game that was washed out first, first time round. Um, in the, on the first weekend of the month, so they they tried again and and didn't they try again? I mean, nearly nearly four hundred and fifty runs um, in the in the match. Um, West Melbourne put two twenty for eight on um, from their from their allocation. Charles Bevan scored scored a half century. Matthew Blatherwick scored a half cent uh, scored eighty four. Um, there was a ninety two run opening stand and. Uh, just a word on on Joe Pennington's innings. Uh, sorry, uh, return with the ball, five overs, two maidens, none for forty. Uh, a, 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 an, an interesting allocation there. Uh, but you know, also you know, a formidable score, two twenty one, the target there. And, and actually, Wormlow were, were were in in amongst it for a while. They they were they they kept themselves in it. Um, but I think as you always need to do as a, as a bowling side, you, you need to take it to that final over. Um, and Will Jones and Eddie Hill both finished with two for 33 and, 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 and they helped do that. Um, and despite Richard Stafford making 48, James Snow making 43, um, they, they couldn't quite get over the line, um, Wormlow, um, and, and, and they missed out by four runs in the end and fell four runs short. 
Um, and just just a, a you know Charles Bevan again, you know he he bowled eight overs, ten of ten ten wides in there as well. But it, but it, you know sides still go over the line. Um, yeah, really a really fascinating, uh, really fascinating game. And say I think it says a lot, despite what the target might be, if you can take a team, a batting side into uh, into the last six, and um, and you know pressure does funny things in sport, uh, in any sport, however perhaps easy or or, uh, or difficult a, a task might be, um, it, it makes it something far more complex. So, yeah, uh, really interesting, um, really interesting game that and um, a dramatic one all the sense. So we've got, we got some, you get some low scoring games sometimes and you don't really know what the weather's going to throw up as far as conditions are concerned. But, you know, to get nearly 440 runs in, in that game, um, and take it to the final over. You know, you can't you can't ask for much more than that at this stage of the competition. Yeah, and I think West Melbourne are one of the the one of the more fun teams as well because they are new to the competition. So you don't really mm. you don't really know what you're going to get. They're not one way you go. Oh, well, you know, they always make the quarterfinal. They've knocked out Colwall, who won in 2020 as well. So I think whoever who are they playing in the regional rounds? I forget, but they should probably be watching out for them. They're playing uh, Croxton. Yeah. They actually came through a narrow game as well against Calverton, so it could be another one that goes right down to the wire if, if both of them are, are really going for it. Mm. And it's always good to see new clubs firstly enter the competition, but also thrive in the competition, because that's how the competition will grow. And you think, you know, this is how you know, stories in 30 years' time in the bar when two guys get together who played in you know big games, will oh, remember that game when we beat so-and-so. And that's what this is about, really. It's about creating memories and creating history for your club. Ian, what's your sense about how quickly, on that point, how quickly new teams to the competition sort of pick up on the the history and and the the, the sort of glamour that comes that comes with it? We focus an awful lot about the end, but you know, let's not forget that like any competition that's been running a long time, it's not just about the end, it's about the journey as well. So how quickly do you think that these new sides sort of um, pick up on that and, and sort of buy into the whole uh, the whole ethos of the competition? I think there's two sort of uh, teams that enter the competition. Those that enter it, they don't really know what to expect um, and sometimes struggle a little bit, but, but sort of like the fact that it's something new and... and they're playing at different grounds and against different teams. And there are others, uh, and I think West Morgan are probably one of those, who, who sort of somehow know um, what it takes uh, to do well in this and, and seem to thrive from the start. Um, I'm always you know, really um, impressed by the feedback we get from clubs that sometimes never get beyond the, the round three or round four, but just love playing in the competition. Um, so you can't really tell, I guess, isn't it? but but Morven beating Cole was quite a, a sort of wake-up moment, I think, where we all sort of thought, oh, OK, you know, Cole, only recent winners two years ago, very good side, a bulk of that side is still playing, and they got beaten by West Morven. And you think, well, so these guys are taking it seriously and they've obviously got a decent team. Um, and it's very interesting to see how, as you say, how teams progress and how they grow and how it becomes something that's, Sometimes with a pun, oh, let's let's enter the Village Cup. We haven't done that for a few years, or we've never done that. But then it becomes a real focal point for their season sometimes, particularly as they obviously progress throughout the competition. Um, I'm looking forward to Westmoreland playing, you know, seeing how far they can go in their first season. I think it's 
Uh, it's, it's fascinating to see a team in their first um, run out in the competition do so well so early on. I know we're, we're just coming out of the regional uh, regional part of the competition, and clearly, I imagine teams in and around the area are going to notice surprise results. But do you think teams on a national level do as well, particularly given that such a, I guess, such a heavyweight um, side are getting are getting castled by by a new team? I think that people definitely take notice. I think when I've my club's been involved in in the Village Cup. You are looking forward to the next round, whichever round it is. You're saying, well, you know, if we get through here, we could be going to somewhere else, or we, you know, we might be getting this team at our, our club. And then you start to look at the that club's um, record, not not just on, on in the Village Cup, but you know, who have they got, how are they doing in their league. Um, and as I say, I think the whole thing of the regionals. This is where it really is exciting for for clubs. I think it's it's you know, you're representing your region. You're not just representing your club. You're you're representing East Midlands, or you're representing Surrey. Um, and, and in a small way, and, and people still talk about it. You know, our club got through my, my club, Plumtree, played in the Village Cup years ago, and we still talk about a game in 1990 where someone scored 200. And you know, um, it, it, as I say, it's that memory creation that I think is probably lives longer in the memory than league games because there are so many of them. The Village Cup is still a relatively rare event in the club's um, season. Um, you know, it could just be one game, but but I think it is. It, it's now getting to the really interesting bit where, you know, and some of these clubs now in this round and if they get through in the, ne in the next round, these are quite big road trips. And that's also a bonding experience because often they'll go the night before or they'll meet up for lunch beforehand and it, it just grows the occasion. Rather than just turn up, get changed, go and toss up, it, it becomes a real occasion. And you hear talk of, you know, teams taking coaches of supporters and that's fantastic. Um, and it, it is one of the unique things of this, this competition, I think, that, you know, a village club can have something really uh, unusual and you need to look forward to it. And it's, it's, it's a fantastic thing to see. Well, we've had uh, a tale of a debutant. Now we're going to uh, a previous winner. Ian, which game have, have you selected uh, which stood out for you? Uh, I was looking at Blackheath in Surrey versus Valley End, which was almost the opposite of, of next choice in, in terms of it being a quite low-scoring game. Um, Blackheath batted first and... Struggled. They got to 155 all out with three overs left of their 40 remaining. Um, and nobody got a 50. Um, and you'd think, well, that's going to be uh, you know, a, a difficult target to defend. They nearly did it. Uh, Valley End got 159 for eight. It was effectively nine because Stuart Tomlinson retired not out. So they only had one batter available. And they did it with two balls to spare. Um, so to go through that game and, you know, Valley End, I'm sure at half time would have thought, okay, 155, that's that's easy. We can we can knock that off. Um, but it, they had to work hard for it. And there was two Mellishes who bowled in that team. I don't know whether they, I assume they're related, but I don't know whether they're brothers or fathers and sons or cousins. But um, one for, took three for 27, and one took one for 15 um, for Blackheath. So they they did their best uh, to try and keep them in the game. So I love those games that go right down to the wire. Um, there's, there's, you know, games that finish 10 overs early sometimes are a bit of a, an anti-climax but that definitely wasn't you know, and to, um, for, for Valley End to go through to the national stages having one with one batsman left and two balls left I think that's, that's you know, they were looking at a, a defeat there and they just got over the line so great game of cricket Elizabeth what team were you, what, what, what match were you uh, particularly impressed by this weekend? 
Mine's actually very similar to yours, where it features, you know, a, a team that's kind of part of the furniture of the Village Cup, struggling a bit in a, a low-scoring clash. Uh, mine's Phil Ongley versus Nether Whitaker in Warwickshire. Um, and Phil Ongley, they lost to Water Orton in the 2016 regional final, and since then have won it five times out of six. Um, so they really are, you know, the kings of Warwickshire, but Nether Whitaker made them work for it this time round. Um, so Philongley was sent into bat and you know made a pretty nifty start. They raced to about 56 for one in about five overs. And then suddenly when the opener Taylor Gilder was dismissed, they completely imploded and found themselves 70 for five at the end of the 12th over and looking in real danger of not making it to 20 overs, let alone 40. Um, and it was really left to their captain, Charles Mitchell, to hold everything together. Um, he put on 54 runs for the sixth wicket um, to drag them kind of single-handedly to 120 odd um, but then as soon as he went out it was a matter of time before the rest kind of fell a bit like dominoes um, and they were all out for 153 in 27.4 uh, overs um, and at that point it was the same as yours you know Nether Whitaker must have been thinking crikey we've you know we've got this here um, and the bowler Alex Mosley who took fourth eight must have been particularly pumped thinking you know I've got my team into the national rounds here we go man of the match thank you good night but unlike at Trent Bridge for the test, it turned out to be a, a real wicket for the bowlers. Um, and Nether Whitaker, you know, struggled to 26 for three and then later found themselves 113 for nine, um, you know, throwing away a golden opportunity. Um, but their 10th wicket pair, Tom Smith and Sam Cooper, really rallied uh, for the cause, put on 32 runs uh, to drag their side to within nine runs of victory with, you know, 10 overs to spare. They could have scored a run and over and, and won. Uh, but then Sam Skelding held his nerve with the ball, uh, had Cooper caught and, you know, got a, a really quite nervy eight run win for his side when kind of clutching victory from the jaws of defeat a little bit for Phil Ongley. Yeah, and there were two Mousleys playing in that game. And I think they are the brothers of Dan Mousley, who's on the Warwickshire staff. Um, and I know um, Tom particularly has played some uh, Warwickshire age group cricket, so he's probably a man to look out for in future years as well. Yeah, and it's one of those games where, you know, it now sets up um, a round five clash against Milford Hall, who are, are also very familiar faces in the Village Cup. Um, and both of those teams went out um, in round five last year. So one of them is going to get a shot at the last 16. Um, you know, and whichever one makes it through that clash will probably be one of the kind of fancied sides to perhaps go all the way in that side of the draw. Yeah, I think that, you know, having we, we did the draw some time ago, didn't we, Elizabeth, of the groups that would play against each other to make sure it's not always the same one. And I think there's some some interesting matchups in the next round. You know, I've had a, I've kept a, a wary eye on Cook and Dean since they um, impressed in the first couple of rounds with um, was it Alfie Agar doing his bit? And he, he played well again this in, in the last round. Uh, and they now travelled to Gotaker and Gotaker are a strong side, so that's going to be a, uh, an interesting clash uh, to see who comes out on top there. Nick, uh, was it Carl Roberts from Innistower who also uh, caught your eye for his? His heartbreaking <laughs> knock in yeah Wales. yeah heart goes out, heart goes out to Carl um, in that in that uh, in that game in the Glamorgan and Gwent group um, so yeah I mean as you sort of allude to you know uh, Penturk uh, put on what 190 uh, said 191 to win Yinister they they were there or thereabouts so was, to be honest there was some quite that game was reduced to 28 overs aside and there was some really good 
to really good tight bowling actually in the middle overs, and it kind of it kind of sent Yinnis to the back, and they had a lot to do. They only needed twenty off the last three, to be fair. Um, and again, it, it looks they needed thirteen, I think, off the last, and it it didn't it didn't quite go their way. Gregor uh, Gregor McCain um, bowled a you know a fine last fine last over, and they needed I think eight off the last two, nine off the last two to win. Um, and I think there was a there was a dot to start, and it was it was basically over. And 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 Roberts was was stuck on ninety nine with with one ball of the innings left, knowing his team had lost. Um, try to um, you know try to get the um, the one that he needed, and and he was caught and bowled in the final ball. And actually, Gregor McCain took two caught balls actually in the same in the same match. Um, two of the top three, we got Tom Blake as well. Um, and yeah, and Penturk ran out winners by by eight runs. And yeah, I mean, it's not a you know you, you go one ball, you got two balls to make a hundred and get your team and get your team through um, as as winners of your as winners of that section, and you you end up doing neither. Um, uh, yeah, a bit of a bit of a heartbreak. And yeah, and as we'll we'll probably talk about we've talked about earlier, runs in a losing cause is always a fascinating fascinating one. And and you've got how many sort of five or six five unused batters basically in, in your lineup and and unfortunately you you know you can't get the job done it's the yeah, unfortunate um unfortunate situation for, for Carl and uh, yeah heart goes out to him well, I noticed in that game Thomas Morgan got run out for 16 he was the penultimate wicket and I, you often see this in in run chase if there's a run out when teams are going well that can often really upset the chase um and and really sort of boost the the um confidence of the fielding side and it's it's you know it's incredible how the you know tight games can change on one incident you know if a run out is missed when when it should have been absolutely given then you know that can often give confidence to the batting side and, and the way that the um the sort of flow of the game can be dictated by single incidents is, is fascinating and you know low scoring games as i've said before are often just as um, enticing to watch as high-scoring games because of that tension, because of that switch in, in emphasis in who's in front. Yeah, I think that wicket came at an important time. I think Roberts and Morgan had put on 57, I think, for the for the fourth. And yeah, they're going they're going along quite relatively nicely at that point. And yeah, as you say, that wicket and then and then Carl and then um, and then Carl getting out at the end. Um, yeah, completely. You know, probably derailed them. Probably made an important. And an important juncture in the in the eventual outcome there. Player of the round. Yeah, and uh, Carl Roberts, unsurprisingly, was one of the uh, contenders for Thiexton Player of the Round. Uh, there were a couple of other kind of honourable mentions. Uh, Tabish Khan, he did a real all-round display for Congressbury against North Perrot in Somerset. He got a half century and also took three wickets in the first ten overs to really derail North Perrot's chase. Charles Bevan, as Nick mentioned before, for West Malvern, a half century, two wickets, one of which was the opener, the other was Wormworth's captain, and a catch at the death, um, a bit of a triple threat there. Um, and Aquas Amit Paul Kundra, he had a star in role in his size chase, uh, blasting 74 off 36 balls. Um, and the next highest strike rate in his team was 120, so he really kind of supercharged their efforts by just, you know, no nonsense boundaries. Um, but the winner, uh, for round four was Cookham Dean's captain, Greg Davis, not the D Greg Davis, um, who followed <laughs> up his century in the last round with a really quite rapid 62 off 31. 
Um, so when he walked out, Cookham Dean had actually lost three wickets in three balls and had gone from a really bright start to 72 for four. Um, and he walked off 10 overs later with them 185 for six. So he didn't hang about. Um, and then he didn't stop there, uh, taking a catch to dismiss White Wolfen's captain, Ben Scarborough, who won the award previously in the competition. So there's no slouch with the bat. And then completed the match winning run out as well. So, you know, really led from the front and <laughs> did everything he could to get Cookham Dean into, into round five. I don't want to I don't want to undermine Greg's uh, performance, but would this be a good opportunity to share a, a, an actual Greg Davis story that I, that I that I've got? <laughs> yes. uh, and, it, and it is and it is and it is strongly cricket related. Um, so in in the two thousand and five um, Ashes, you may remember um, during the coverage, Channel Four had a sort of WG Grace um, figure who would turn up to matches. Um, in sort of you know no, you know novelty gear and sort of wander around the boundary, sort of shouting with you know long beard, etc. That was Greg Davis. Um, he <laughs> before he before he sort of hit before he hit sort of mainstream global uh, I say global fame, so not global fame, mainstream sort of fame in this country. Uh, yeah, he he was a um, he he poses a WG great great actor, um, and I hasten to say absolutely hates cricket. Um, as well. I absolutely no idea what he was doing. It was just, it was just, it was just a, you know, a, a job for him. Um, so yeah, a bit of a, a bit of a weird one. He was uh, very much in the public eye without us really realising. Well, if Cookham Dean reached the final, I think we should, uh, he should come back and uh, put the costume on again in honour of the other Greg Davis. The big preview. And speaking of Lords, there's under 100 days to go until uh, the final at Lords. And we now have to turn our attention to the national rounds. Um, so are there any fixtures or particular teams that are sticking out for either of you heading into the kind of business end of the tournament? Well, I was just going to say Calmore um, seem to have been one of those clubs that have been energised by the, the Cup. And they're travelling to Oxford Downs um, in what could be a really tight tight match. Oxford Downs have, have played well in the, in the Cup for a number of years and Calmore are still relatively the new boys. Um, and that's the one that caught my eye. I think that could be a really uh, tense fought and closely fought game. And the winners of that um, might be travelling down to Cornwall or to Gloucestershire. So as I say, that's where you start doing some of the, the great road trips and getting the, the atlases out to see where the best little chef is to have lunch before the game. Yeah, I think Oxford Downs are one of the interesting ones as well because, you know, they've had a, a really good year this year. But for the past couple of years, they've gone out in round one or two. Um, so you'd think, oh, is this just a, a rogue purple patch? But in 2018, um, they actually made it all the way to the last 16 before losing to the eventual finalists, Liphook and Ripsley. Um, and they've got through what's always a tricky Oxfordshire group. Um, yeah. So, you know, again, they're another, you know, Calmore as the defending champions are the favourites, but they are a real banana skin side um, who could, you know, well, I suppose, uh, you know, make the competition wide open all over again. Well, I mean, one of the teams who might actually be on the lookout for a little chef with me, um, a pal from Powers um, from North Yorkshire, who, are, who have got the uh, the task of going all the way up to Perthshire to play Meagle. Um, and I think, like you said, Ian, that's the, that's the real joy of it. I think that's probably the biggest road trip of the round. It's, I think it's about five hours from where they are yeah. to, <laughs> to the other side of Edinburgh. Well, and if Meagle Meagley win, they'll be at home in the next round as well. So um, it's someone else will have a, a long journey up there. So 
an overseas tour almost going to Scotland, isn't it? So. Well, that's all for episode three. Uh, thank you to Ian and Nick for their company and to our sponsors, Vinaeus Broadband, Theakston Brewery, Bowler, Piper's Crisps and the Lord Taverners. Uh, good luck to all the teams in action in round five. Please send your photos from a little chef wherever you find it. And remember, you're just four wins away from Lords. <laughs>